Um, morning, church. Um, I'm reading from 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31. Just as a body through one, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slaves or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And the parts that we think are less honourable, we treat with special honour. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honour to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should, be, should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honoured, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, Second, prophets, third, teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing and of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all have gifts of healing? Do all speak tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And yet I will show you the most excellent way. This is the word of the Lord. So after one technical difficulty, they are, it is working. <laughs> and um, uh, sorry, South Mandra, if you came in partway through that Bible reading this morning, but good to see you and glad you're joining us this morning. So we're going to go into the message for today. And uh, uh, if, I, think, I think you did miss my original introduction. It's okay that we, have, um, we didn't get it right the, the very first time, but uh, all going well. It's fine now. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that this morning uh, we as the body of Christ uh, are able to meet together. Uh, we thank you, God, that you, um, we have a chance to be encouraged by one another um, as we gather. And we pray, Father God, that um, in this way, where we're gathered together as two congregations, but also people watching online, that as we reflect now on your word, you would open our eyes, that you would open our ears, our hearts, to receive from you this morning. And uh, Lord, that what you would have to say to us by your Holy Spirit, a a today word, a fresh word, 
uh, a revelation from you, Lord, that we would receive that with open ears and open hearts. Thank you, Lord God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, for everyone in the Billabong this morning and at South Mando or online, I'd love you to put your hand up if you have ever had an injury or an illness where some part of your body wasn't functioning quite right. Uh, you were too at South Mandra, I can see you. Obviously, that's everyone. If you're not putting your hand up, you're, you're well, a very healthy person. Um, uh, South Mandra, do the same. I can see you in front of me on the little screen here. Um, our bodies uh, are designed, of course, where if one part suffers, which we all experience that from time to time, if one part suffers, every part suffers with it. Um, uh, I've been, uh, for example, getting some physio uh, on, my, on my neck, um, because uh, I get tension, you know, in my in my neck sometimes, from probably from bad posture, and so doing some exercises and seeing the physio helps with that. Um, and if I do get a bad neck ache or a bad tension headache or something like that, the reality is that it's not much point if um, if I uh, have good hands and good feet and my eyes are working because that headache or that that neck ache it affects everything else. If if you know what I mean. Um, the, the metaphor of, of God's people or the church being like a body with many parts, um, it's such a, such a rich metaphor, right? It's, it's, um, it's so uh, uh, easily applicable in, in different contexts. It's not as if, well, it applied back then for the first century Corinthians, but not now. It, it applies in, in all times, in, in all contexts. Um, it's not a difficult metaphor to grasp. Um, but it can be applied all over the place. The, the question that I think it's important for us to ask this morning as God's people is how was Paul applying it? In this context, in the, the Corinthian church, um, uh, in the first century Corinth, uh, what does it actually mean when he was saying this and using this metaphor and talking about there being one body with many parts for those Christians? Um, for those who are just joining us uh, recently or online or, and, and also for the sake of those of you at South Mandra this morning, um, we at the Billabong have been working through Paul's letter to uh, the Corinthian Christians, the Corinthian church. And just prior to this passage, Paul begins to address an issue of concern in the church in Corinth. Uh, and that we, t- we talked about that at the Billabong last week. In short, they were overemphasizing a particular gift, a particular, uh, quote, manifestation of the Spirit, way that um, the Spirit of God would, would supernaturally work through the believers. And this particular gift was called speaking in tongues. Um, this is here where the, where the Spirit enables a believer to speak in an unknown language, uh, some call it like a heavenly or a prayer language. It was used in the book of Acts, in Acts 2, uh, as a way that God brought many to faith. Um, and Paul's beginning to make the point that God's Spirit actually works in a number of ways in our lives, not just in this one thing and so we, or, or some other thing, and so we're not, we ought not to limit him to just this. Oh, that's the way the Holy Spirit works. Oh, that's the way God works, this thing or that thing, or this way he shows up in our lives. That's the point he's making. And so to expand on this, he uses the metaphor of a body, which we've just Read 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 31. The opening verses um, introduce two equally important points that he wishes to make. So I'm just going to talk about this 
first bit, the next bit, and then the next bit. Um, verses, the first three verses, he, he makes this point. There are one body with many parts. In fact, verse 12 literally basically just says, one body, many parts, many parts, one body. Um, verse 13, there is one body. Verse 14, there are many parts. That's just the point he's making. So the passage is not about emphasizing diversity, the many parts thing. Or it's not about emphasizing unity, the one body part. It's, it's unity in diversity, diversity in unity. These are the two points um, that he's making together. The next uh, two paragraphs each focus on a slightly different aspect of this applied to the church there in, in Corinth. So let's uh, have a look at this for a second. So verses 15 to 20, first of all. This is about the gifts, the, the manifestations of the Spirit, as he calls it in the um, earlier passage. Um, and he's, he's focusing in the, the analogy, the metaphor, on this, this point that all parts are important. All the parts are important. And he's pointing, he's very clearly pointing back to the critique of their using tongues, the, the speaking in tongues, this particular gift, um, while neglecting other important uh, gifts of the Spirit. Now, if any group of, of Christians goes all in in one way the Spirit works, what Paul's suggesting is that we become like not a body but a monstrosity, one massive hand or one massive foot or whatever it might be because that's, that's not a healthy functioning body with different ways God's working through his people. It's, it's just a monstrosity. Some gifts will be needed more or less in some situations though. Uh, for example, if I said to you, um, uh, here's the ingredients for a cake. I would like you to bake a cake and I would like you to use your feet to do it. You'd probably look at me and go, what are you, what are you talking about? That's, that's ridiculous. Because, of course, you use your hands to, to make a cake. Um, if it was a go on a hike and I want you to walk that hike on your hands, same thing. You wouldn't do that. You would use your feet. Likewise, no gift is more or less important, but they have different functions, making them more or less applicable in certain settings. So that's where he's pointing in this, these first these uh, six verses, the, the different gifts, the different functions. Then in the next uh, six verses, 21 to 26, the, the emphasis shifts a little towards people. Paul continues the same metaphor, but there's a slightly different application. Uh, those parts of the body, I'm just quoting here from the middle of this part, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable and the parts that we think are less honourable we treat with special honour. That's it, that its parts should have equal concern for one another. So you can hear it's not so much about function now, it's uh, not so much about the gifts that we exercise, we're talking about concern for one another, it's about people, different people who together form one body. Here's where we have to remember some more of what was going on in the Corinthian church. Uh, there were social statuses that people were highlighting, or uh, so people with certain status were sort of seen as more important than others. There were divisions between rich and poor, for example, and this was creating issues. We, we at the Billabong have talked about this in some of the previous passages. There were divisions between people. They weren't treating one another as equals due to status or privilege, whatever, from their background. And so there's two problems. 
the elevation of certain gifts, functions, if you like, ways the Spirit worked through the believers, and then at the expense of others, and then there's the problem of elevation of certain people at the expense of others, uh, both of which this very rich metaphor um, addresses in these two sections, the elevation of gifts and then of, of certain people. Now, look again at the final verses. I'm going to read uh, verses, I think it's 28 to, to 30. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles, second prophets, third teachers, people, then miracles, then gifts of healing, of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. Are all the prophets, uh, uh, sorry, apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues, do all interpret. So what this list is, is not just a list of gifts. There's supernatural functions like miracles, and then there's the more natural or cerebral things like helping and guidance. It's not even just a list of different kinds of gifts, though, the supernatural and the natural. It's also different kinds of people, apostles and prophets, the, if you like, the giftings, the ministries, the, the ways in which God has made people to, to, to minister to others. And, and the point of this, this list of, you know, the, towards the end of this passage, therefore, is not an exhaustive list. Like, okay, here is how the Spirit of God works, and here's what all of you people are, and now you just need to get the balance right. Because there are many more functions or gifts and many more ways God uses people to minister, kinds of people, if you like, um, than just this list. It's not an exhaustive list. The point is this. The point of it all is this. The Holy Spirit works in different ways at different times, and people minister and serve in different ways, be sure not to elevate or suppress any of these so that the whole church can build one another up and build the whole up. And of course, to all of that, we say a great big amen, right? Yes, South Mandra, amen. Now, we say, I mean, yes, that's great, that's great, that's great. But I want you to do something for me, uh, whether you're here in the room at Billabong, whether you're uh, there at South Mandra or online. I want you to close your eyes for a minute. And, and just for a minute, um, uh, I want you to imagine your perfect idea of church or the church, the, the, the people of God, God, God's people gathered together or, or operating together. Um, I just want you to imagine your perfect idea of that. Now, that may be your absolutely ideal worship service. That, that might be what you imagine. Um, that it might be that you imagine the perfect small group with, with fellowship that's just rich and fun and deep and meaningful. It might be that you're imagining the people around you all out on the street sharing the gospel uh, with everything that moves um, it might be that you imagine this huge outreach project with thousands of Christians serving the poor together. Maybe, maybe you imagine uh, just you with a cup of tea, watching church online in your jammies, soaking in the worship music and thinking this is bliss. I'm not sure what your perfect idea of church is, but I want you to imagine it and just picture what it looks like, what's involved. Just do that for, for a second. 
It's your perfect idea of church, the Christian life expressed with others. Okay, now open your eyes. Here's the challenge. What you just imagined, wherever you are right now, what you just imagined is very likely not what everyone else here, maybe what some people, but very likely not what everyone else here at the Billabong or there at South Mander or online imagined. It's likely different, maybe a little different, maybe quite different. And that's good in a sense. That's kind of one expression of the diverse people who form one body. But if I'd done that exercise with the Corinthian Christians, the church in Corinth that Paul is writing to in this letter, what many of them would have imagined was a gathering where they took this gift from the Holy Spirit, the ability to speak in a, in a heavenly language, that speak in tongues, and, and where they just used it to their heart's content. They enjoyed it. It increased their sense of God's presence. So they would have been imagining, yeah, we come together and like we're speaking the language of angels and just enjoying it on a, uh, for many hours at a time maybe. And yet... This is what Paul said they had to pull back. This is what Paul said they had, to, they had to rein it in for the sake of others. Even though that was what they wanted, this was their perfect idea of church at the time. And it's easy to say that the body of Christ needs my contribution of gifts and talents and ideas. And that can be true, but it's much harder to give special honour, to use the words of Paul, to others instead of ourselves. And to highlight what they desire and what they contribute. This idea of giving special honour to others. Um, I I really believe um, that churches who do this well, in practical ways, really do thrive and really do experience God's blessing. Um, loving and valuing young people is a great example of this. Who, who, what church wouldn't want to say, yeah, we, we would love to, to see, you know, really fully embrace young people and kids and teenagers in our church gatherings and everything we do. Yeah, yeah that's really, really, really important. We want to see that. But then when it comes to giving up our music preferences so they feel engaged and shown special honour, then that requires sacrifice. That's not that easy. That's a practical thing that needs to take place. And it's one, it's one worth making, absolutely, but it's a sacrifice. We at the, the Billabong here have the privilege of, of sharing our venue with other churches so they can have a place to worship on Sunday afternoons after us. Now, I say privilege, but it can also feel like an inconvenience. When we run a little bit late... Uh, and, and they're starting to set up, and, and we're still hanging around and having conversations, um, it can feel like an, like an inconvenience then. Oh, do we really want to do this? But so be it, in my opinion. So be it. If another part of the body can operate more freely because we made a, quote, sacrifice, we, we had a, a, an inconvenience. Uh, you know, I, I really feel privileged um, that uh, you all at South Mandra um, are joining us this morning um, in, in this small way. Uh, not because uh, we're the bigger church with the technology and we get to help out the little guy. That is not in what, what this is about. What I, why I feel privileged is because 
you all are willing for us to, and have asked for us to make a small sacrifice, to put a little bit of extra effort in into to making this live stream work and, and recording a backup of the sermon, which I did on Friday, just in case this didn't work, so you still had a sermon, which we did do, by the way. Um, and that little bit of extra effort, hopefully, uh, was a, is a little blessing, a, a bit of a, some kind of a blessing to, to all of you at South Mandra. You were willing to ask us for that. I feel that we are privileged to be able to do this small thing, to partner together. And I want to offer this challenge to the Billabong uh, church family. Uh, there, yes, there are churches in our region even, even in our suburb, that are far bigger than us, with more resources than us, more people, more staff than us, for sure. But should congregations such as South Mandra or a little Baptist church down the road or, or a, co- a country congregation uh, or whoever come to us, should they come to us and ask us to sac- sacrifice something, whatever that something might be, to help them, to encourage them, to support them, to provide practical resource for them? then we should not ever hesitate in, in making whatever sacrifice is necessary, even if we feel like it's costing us and that we don't have the resource. We should never hesitate. Um, I mean, I hope that we can do this again with South Mandra because this is, this is fun, but I, I also hope that we can offer far more than, than just um, a, a video link. That This is very simple, very, very basic. Uh, um, whether it be with which, whichever church, that we can partner, we can bless others substantially. Um, and the same time for you at, who are at South Mandra Uniting, I know uh, right now you are a volunteer-led congregation, um, uh, but if, we would, if you would set our minds constantly on how we might lay down what we want for the sake of our brothers and sisters in Christ and what they need, then this pleases God. And he will look after us. Andrew had the video link on, um, those of you at South Manor, and I could hear you talking about your vision and you know, what is God leading us into. This is one really important part we ought to consider as we're thinking, where is God leading us? What is he doing among us? So as we hear Paul's words in this passage I, and, and go, well, what do we take away from this practically? Uh, for me, there's two things that all of us as, as followers of Jesus would do well to take away from this passage two principles um, that this metaphor of the one body with many parts gives us. So this is the first one. We must know our value. Why don't we say that together? One, two, three. We must know our value. Uh, I hope you do the same at South Mendo. Say it together. We must know our value. We must know our value. Now, I mean, on an individual level, on a corporate level, on every level, if we don't think we actually have something to offer God, if we don't think we actually have something to offer God's people, the rest of the body of Christ is going to miss out. Some of you have have gifts or or, or giftings, ministries, uh, that the Holy Spirit wants to use, but you've told yourself over time, um, they, those things... That, that, that I have to offer has no value. At least not here. Maybe in another church, maybe in another setting it would, but here it doesn't really have any value. There was a, there was a person who, who used to be part of this congregation and since moved to another uh, part of um, WA. And they were uh, incredibly gifted in the area of the gift of prophecy, the minister, that ministry. 
Um, but they had kind of suppressed that for a time in their life because of things others had said, things they had believed, things, the experiences in their life. When they were encouraged to exercise that gift again, the blessing that it was to many of us, and actually many of you without probably knowing it uh, in this room, um, it was incredible when they were encouraged to use that gift again. I, I wanted to encourage us, try not to read 1 Corinthians, especially these passages, and assume that, that something like speaking in tongues is of no value because they needed to ease up on it. Because they needed to, to kind of be careful about how much they were overusing that particular gift. Your prayer life may be transformed by allowing yourself to be open to that gift of the Holy Spirit. Others, other people around you may even be blessed uh, if, if used in, in the scripturally guided way. Maybe God reveals things to you uh, supernaturally and you think, well, other people don't seem to hear God like that. Maybe it's my own thoughts. And you, you sort of ignore it, you push it aside. It's, it's so important. I want to encourage us, know your value. Know the value of the ways the Holy Spirit works in and through you. Be open. Ask a trusted friend um, for, for help with how to use those gifts. Um, and how to be guided by the scriptures in how to use those gifts. The same applies for families and for, for groups of people, whether it be small groups or Bible studies, or, or even whole congregations, whole church communities. We must know our value. Just because uh, maybe as a group, a small group of people, you're not like them doing that great stuff, or, or as, a, as a church, it's like, well, we feel like, an, or a group or whatever, we feel like an ugly big toe, whereas they seem to be a beautifully manicured hand, to use the... The, the parts of the body analogy, that's not the case. God, for example, uses tiny groups of little old ladies praying to start revivals in history. You read the history books about revivals of the past, like where they started, what the roots were. Small groups of people who just went, we, we have value before God and we have a ministry and an importance here and we're going we're gonna, to uh, be obedient to what God has put us here for. Know your value as a couple, a family, a small group. Um, South Mandra, know your value to God and his kingdom, the billabong. Uh, we must know our value to God and how he's using us to build his kingdom. But we also need to, as we know and embrace our value, we also need to remember this second point, that we are part of something bigger. We're part of something bigger. Whatever our value is, our part to play, our, our purpose and gifting, the way God plans to use us for his kingdom, it all goes to waste. It all goes to waste when we lose sight of the fact that it's not about us. right? When we lose sight of the fact that it's not just about how, what my value is, but how that contributes to the bigger whole. You and I as individuals, we're always, always part of something bigger. And more important than just ourselves. The same applies for your family. The same applies for your small group or life group or Bible study or however you do that at South Mandra, whatever, however you gather together with other Christians. Uh, your part as a group, as a, of, a, of a Christian community that needs your unique contribution to, to be made as part of the bigger family. And the same applies for whole churches. We, we are not the body of Christ in Canning Vale, Billabong. 
We are not the body of Christ in Canningvale. We're part of something much bigger. Uh, South Mendo, you are not the body of Christ in Dawesville or Falcon. In that area, you're part of something bigger, the, the whole body of Christ. And when we really believe that and live out of that conviction, it just changes how we operate. It changes how we think and what we value and what we, what we pursue. Uh, I was so fortunate when I was about 10 or 15 years ago when I was younger and, and part of the South Mandarin congregation. I was so fortunate to be able to play a part in getting all the youth ministries together. Um, it, it was what I got to do in some of my spare time as I was studying, you know, uh, and then it instilled in me this, this getting the youth ministries together and working together. It instilled in me this conviction that whatever Christian ministry I'd be part of in the future, it would always be part of something much more significant in that local region, which is the church in that region, the whole church. Today in Mandra, there's phenomenal things happening across the body of Christ. Um, um, uh, as pastors and leaders meet together and, and facilitate collaboration and reach into schools, it's the same here in, in the southeastern suburbs of Perth as churches work together. And we ought to keep this in sight always. But even, we must remember, even the churches in a region, even denominations are part of something bigger. Whole denominations, whole, whole regions are part of the church in, in Australia and part of the world. And you know what? Even the church across the globe is part of something bigger. It's part of God's eternal kingdom. Home to saints of old, home to saints yet to be born, we're always part of something bigger. If we know our value, firstly, and then we recognize that we're part of something bigger, secondly. And we hold those two things together, and whether it be as individuals, whether it be as groups, uh, as whole congregations, and, and beyond that as well. Then we begin to operate hey, as God intended. Every person enjoying equally relationship with God and with one another in his kingdom. And, and friends, that is because it's the gospel in action. We are invited into Christ. No matter our background, there is no more divisions, no more Jew or Gentile or slave or free. There are just, this is the gospel, there are just sons and daughters of God. And we've been invited into that family, to be adopted into that family, equal footing, equal status, no one more important than another, no one, however God works in their life, no more valuable than another, all with value, but all part of something bigger. This is the gospel. You're all invited. We're all welcomed into God's family. And so, Father, we just want to thank you and we want to praise you this morning for this reality, this truth, that you, God, have, have brought us into the kingdom of God and into the family of God. And that is a wonderful privilege. Lord, we can forget this wonderful truth, we can forget this wonderful invitation and start to live from a different place with different convictions. Forgive us for when we do that and remind us once again what you have done for us in Jesus. Invited every single one of us, no matter who we are, no matter what we were, into your family. Be sons and daughters of the Most High King. We thank you and praise you for this in Jesus' name. Amen.